from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. And when the king came to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Today we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Matthew, and we are ready for chapter 22, which starts with the parable of the wedding feast. Just a quick reminder, this podcast is 100% listener-supported, so if you are enjoying what's going on here, you're being blessed by it, please consider supporting it. Scriptureandprophecy.com, there's a support and donate tab with all that information at the top. This is continuing, uh, chapter 22 is continuing a conversation uh, that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. And uh, he's already given them a few parables that's quite uh, agitated them. Um, The last one being, uh, so right before this parable starts, he tells them the parable of the vineyard. And how, I mean, he... Chapter 21 ends with, uh, you look at verse 43 here, he says, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And he's making the point that, hey, you guys are rejecting Messiah, and so as a result of that, the kingdom is going to be opened up far and wide and given to people who will bear fruit, who will believe will have faith. So this, even though the chapters here, it's broken up into chapters, that's not how it really is in the manuscripts, right? So this uh, verse, or chapter 22 is just a continuation of that same conversation. So let's have a look. Chapter 22, marriage, parable of the marriage feast. And let's not, let's just uh, not forget how the previous couple of verses ended. And he so Jesus tells him the kingdom is going to be taken from you and given to a, a nation that will bear fruit. Verse 44, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him, to, grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. So that's how 21 ends. Let's dive in. Gospel according to Matthew, King James Bible, chapter 22. Verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage feast for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, 
One to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways, and they gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And the king came to see the guests, and he saw there a man, which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So let's stop right there, and then we'll get to the Pharisees' response here in a second. But it's like the previous parable, right? Previous parable, parable of the vineyard. Uh, God, you know, God represents the, the king, or the vineyard owner, and he leases out the land, and he sends his servants to collect, but they end up killing his servants, right? In other words, you know, and he, so he says that they would be destroyed, and it would be given to somebody else. This one's similar. So let's break it down. Remember the context of the conversation, is he's dealing with the Pharisees, and he's talking about the how destruction is coming to the Jewish people for rejecting Messiah. So let's break it down. So the king had a marriage supper for his son, and he went forth, and he called his servants, he called his people to the banquet, but they wouldn't come. They were too busy. He says, tell them which were bidden, right? The ones who were already called to this thing. Everything is prepared. It's time to come into the marriage. Verse 5 says, But they made light of it. One went to his farm, another went to his merchandise. And it even got so bad that that this so-called remnant of people took his servants, meaning the ones he had been sending out to them, and treated them spitefully and slew them. This is similar to how Jesus talks in the parables about how the prophets were... how he tells them directly, actually, how the prophets were sent to them and they killed the prophets, right? And in the parable uh, from last week, they even go as far as to kill the king's own son to try to steal the inheritance. So similar city, similar uh, issue, and here is the result. Like, here's the punishment, which we know happened in 70 A.D., But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. And then, he says, they weren't worthy, so they go out to the highways, right? Instead of going down, instead of going into just the city where they originally were calling people, he goes out to the highways, and it's like, anybody willing to come, your bed, to come to the banquet, to the wedding supper. Then we get to this interesting little conversation. And it's it's not hard to understand as long as you look at other texts. 
So the king comes to see the guests, the ones who finally showed were, were willing to come. And he saw there a man which did not have on a wedding garment. And he says unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? But the man was speechless. And here's the outcome of that. Then the king says to the servant, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There'd be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, he goes into hell. For many are called, but few are chosen. The wedding garment. It represents, you know, that white linen garment. It represents purity. It represents righteousness. Let's go to Revelation chapter 9. The book of Revelation, believe it or not, uh, tells us just about everything we need to know about this wedding garment stuff. So, let's start with Revelation 19. Alright, Babylon has been destroyed. First nine verses here. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and the twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia! And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye saints, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God, omnipotent, reigneth. Verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. So here we have that same like language here. Marriage supper, those who are called, they have to come in arrayed in fine linen and clean and white. And the linen represents the righteousness of the saints. Now, the, earlier, when Jesus is talking to the churches, he's also speaking about these garments. So let's have a quick look at that real quick. So if we look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments... And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. How do you overcometh, by the way? What he's getting at is those who remain in the faith, those who overcome, will receive a white garment. So you receive it, from Jesus by overcoming the world with your faith. Meaning, regardless of how things shake out, regardless of how things go, I remained in the faith. 
believing and trusting on the name of Jesus. Same chapter, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Again, who do you get the white garment from? Messiah. You can't go out and make this yourself. And you're not going into the marriage supper. You're not going into the feast. You're not going into the kingdom without that garment. Which represents your represents righteousness, which comes to you through your faith in Jesus. Revelation 16, verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And then what I read to you to start, Revelation 19.8. And to her it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It's very clear, isn't it? What that garment represents. Now this parable ends in the same way as uh, one a couple of weeks ago. With this statement, for many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, many are called, but few heed the call. Here's what Charles Spurgeon says. All who hear the gospel are called, but the call does not come with equal power to every heart. And with some, the power which it comes is not that which it saves. It only convinces the intellect. So the outward homage is paid to the world, and the inward obedience of the soul is not rendered to the Lord. God grant that each of us may have on the wedding garment when the king comes to see the guest. Amen to that. Amen to that. John Wesley says, Many hear, few believe. Yea, many are members of the visible, but few of the invisible church. A lot of people showing up on Sunday checking that box, right? Many are called, few are chosen, few heed the call. I want to point out one more thing about this parable. We talked about the main point and context of the parable. And you'll see that I'm right because you're about to get the Pharisees' response to it. They know it's about them as well. But one thing that always jumped out at me over the years, looking at these parables with this one specifically, was verse 5. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. Since 2013, 2014, I've been warning. Warning that we would start to get where we are right now economically, socially. Warning about the problems that were coming. Warning to get right with God that the return of Messiah is near. And my frustration was always how people just kind of brush that off. They were, they're just too distracted. They just, all they care about is the world. They make light of it. Just like this. The servants go out and they say, it's time for the wedding supper. Everybody get ready. And they're like, meh, whatever. I got work to do. 
and they go to their farm to go to the merchandise. They make light of it. That is certainly the case. Even now, even as the world is on fire, everybody can smell the smoke in the air. And people still double down and deny Jesus, deny that he's coming, make excuses. The world says there is no God, or they worship some false God, or they just blatantly worship Satan. And those who call themselves Christians, members of the visible church, they say, ah, everybody's always thought it was the end days. Let's get the Pharisees' response, shall we? Verse 15, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. They don't like what he's saying. Verse 16, And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth, neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? So, I think what they're doing here is they're thinking, well, if he says don't pay your taxes, then Caesar's going to want to kill him. If he says pay your taxes, then the people are going to be like, eh, maybe he's not a prophet. Verse 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt me, ye, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Who is in the image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled, and left him, and went their way. And the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him, Please note. So he had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees don't actually believe in a resurrection. So, of course, they think that they're so smart and they're going to trap him and show that he doesn't know what he's talking about. And they're going to say, well, if you're resurrected, what if you've had seven spouses? You know, (laughs) well, who's going to be your spouse in the resurrection? Let's look at this. Saying, Master, verse 24, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother, and likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, or the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, 
they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Please note. Let's just dive into that for just a split second here. You know, I've gotten messages before from people saying, or irritate. I, I literally had someone cancel their Patreon subscription to support the broadcast. And they had she had many complaints, but one of them was that I, basically I, I teach people like they're baby Christians. Paraphrasing our words, of course. And the reason why I do that sometimes is because we often get brand new people who are interested in the Bible. They find the podcast searching for Bible studies. And so we break down the simple things for the sake of the people who are just now learning how to follow Jesus. So I'm not going to apologize for that. Let's look at this real quick. They ask him, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the first and great commandment, but the second commandment is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, a lot of people say, see, I just need to be nice. And that's, the, that's fulfilling the law. That's not what this means. It's like this. If I love my neighbor... I'm not going to covet his wife, so I'm not breaking that commandment. I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not breaking that commandment. I'm not going to bear false witness against him, so I'm not breaking that commandment, right? Because I'm loving my neighbor. I'm not going to murder him, obviously. If I love God, I'm not going to have any gods before him and worship idols, right? So see, that's what he means. If I'm obeying those first two, then by default, I'm obeying all the others. Because I'm loving God and I'm loving my neighbor. This has nothing to do with how nice you're being. But this is what people think that Christianity is. It's like, be nice and be accepting. Be tolerant. How can you be moral and tolerant at the same time? To be moral, to be obedient to God, means there's going to be some things that I'm intolerant to. This is basics. But we're living in a world where people are so dumbed down that they can't even grasp the most simple things. So anyway, (laughs) that's why those two are the greatest commandments. And what Jesus means by all the other ones hang on those two. Because if I go and sleep with my neighbor's wife, guess what? Not only am I committing adultery, But I'm clearly not loving him, right? All right, let's continue on. We're almost done here. We've got like five verses left. Verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think you of the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said unto him, He is the son of David. 
And he saith unto them, How then doth David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, till I make thy enemies a footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is it he his son? He's quoting one of the Psalms. Last verse. And, and no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. That is our study for this morning in the gospel according to Matthew chapter 22. I pray in the powerful and holy name of Jesus that you've been blessed, strengthened, and encouraged this morning. Let's not be like this parable where we're taking things too lightly. Jesus is coming. And I pray sooner than later. The scriptures say, pray. This is Jesus' words, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all the things coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. Don't be cold-hearted, calloused. I know you've been hearing the Lord's coming back for a long time. All you have to do is look out your window, look in the backyard. Do you not see the smoke rising and the flames growing hotter? Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.